Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. What I want to talk to you this morning is very precious to me personally. It is one of the values that I have endeavored through the years that I have been in the Lord and began to understand the values of family, the values of spiritual heritage and inheritance, the values of generational succession. And they're very close to my heart, and I have endeavored to communicate these values not only to my natural children, but also to my spiritual children. Today I want to talk to you as a father of this house, not just as a teacher or a preacher or even a pastor, but as a father. I want to minister to you this morning on the values of spiritual inheritance and generational succession. The values of spiritual inheritance and generational succession. The Bible calls our God the God of the generations. And often when God revealed Himself to our forefathers in the faith, He pronounced Himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That tells us how much God values the generational succession of faith and spiritual inheritance. Now, with every generation of believers comes a greater sense of responsibility to continue and perpetuate the legacy of the spiritual parents and grandparents. I want you to hear that and hear that well. Because this is the only way we're going to break the cycles of the curse, of divorce, of poverty, and lack and fatherlessness. With every generation comes a greater sense of responsibility to continue and perpetuate the spiritual legacy of their forefathers in the faith. Paul, writing to Timothy, who was one of his spiritual sons, and he said to him the following in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he tells him the following. When I call, he said to him, the remembrance or to remembrance, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Here we see the successful transference of faith from one generation to another. Three generations of believers. Paul reminds him of the faith of his grandmother, Lois, that was passed on to his mother, Eunice, and from his mother was passed on to Timothy. 
And Paul goes on later to remind Timothy of his legacy and his spiritual inheritance, encouraging him with the following words. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, from the message, And, O oh, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. He calls that legacy, that spiritual inheritance, what? A treasure. Did you hear that? <laughs> what we often treasure today in the eyes of God is no treasure at all and has no value at all. And it's true, we treasure many things that in the light of eternity, they're not really treasures, they're not really valuable. What was the treasure that Paul was referring to when he spoke to his son Timothy? It was his spiritual inheritance in the faith. The faith that he received from his grandmother that was passed on to his mother and now was passed on to Timothy. And now Timothy has this responsibility not only to guard that treasure he has received from his forefathers in the faith to communicate them and transfer that treasure into faithful men who are able to teach others. Do you see the succession of generations? There's five generations here. It started with Timothy's grandmother, went to his mother, went to the son Timothy, to faithful men who are able to teach others. Five generations. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, we get a glimpse of the conversation God had with himself concerning this very principle that I am teaching you this morning. Let's look at it. God is having a conversation with himself, and he says in Genesis 18, verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. This is, now God is talking with his Son and the Holy Spirit. Shall we hide what we are about to do from Abraham? And then he says, no, because I know Abraham. What did he know about Abraham? That he would command his children and all of his household to do what? To keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice. Why? So that the Lord may bring the fulfillment of all that he promised to Abraham and to his generations. Now, the New King James is a little blind to us. The Greek text reads as follows. Because I know Abraham will command his children and household 
after him to keep the way of the Lord, I will not keep secrets from him. That's powerful. I will not keep secrets from Abraham because I know what I'm going to give him, he's going to pass it on and communicate it onto his children and his household for the next generation and the generations to come. You know, most times, listen carefully, the promises and the blessing promised to one generation will only be fully manifested and fulfilled in the second and third generation. When God spoke to me many years ago, and He gave me those wonderful, exceeding great and precious promises, in the early years of my walk and faith in the Lord, I thought, man, wonderful promises for me. But as I matured in the Lord and I became a father and a grandfather, I realized that those promises that God had spoken to me were not just mine. They belonged to my children and to my grandchildren, both natural and spiritual. And the fullness of the manifestation of those promises will be fulfilled not in my generation, but in the second and third generation that will come after me. That, to me, was a powerful revelation. Why? Because I understood that God is a God of the generations. And we need to understand this as parents, as grandparents, as young folk who are planning a family, that you have a tremendous responsibility from God to communicate the heritage that you receive both from your natural and spiritual parents onto the next generation after you. Because whenever there is a breach in the generations, there is always an open door for the curse to come in. Are you listening to me? Now, Abraham, that's why he's called the father of our faith. And we are called in the New Testament to imitate and to walk in the footsteps of our father, Abraham. Abraham successfully passed on to Isaac the faith, the knowledge of God, the promises of God, the word that God had given to him, he passed that on successfully onto Isaac. Is that right? Isaac, in turn, passed this spiritual legacy that he received from his father, Abraham, onto Jacob. And Jacob successfully communicated the spiritual legacy into his 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you see the succession of the generations? Now, every generational succession, beginning with Abraham, was accompanied with greater blessing, 
was accompanied with greater revelation knowledge and was accompanied with multiplication of numbers and strength. Do you see that? As the transference of your spiritual legacy is passed on to your children, it is accompanied with greater blessing, greater manifestation, greater power, and greater release of the Spirit. And with every generation, God intended to build where the first generation ended and to build from there. The second generation would come and would not have to start from the bottom again from, from where the spiritual parents left it and begin to build on that onto greater things and greater exploits and greater blessings and greater release of His Spirit and greater power. Amen. Come on, say amen if you believe that. This is the God we serve. This is our Heavenly Father. He is the God of the generations. And let me tell you something. It is not the responsibility of the church to teach your children. It is your responsibility as parents to instill into your children your spiritual legacy and the things you've learned and received from those who have taught you, from those who have mentored you, from those who have parented you in the Lord to communicate that into your children and into your children's children. The church will help you. But it is not the church's primary responsibility to do that. And you cannot abdicate your responsibility. The Word of God says, fathers, what does it say to fathers? Rear your children and admonish them in the admonition of the Lord. It is to the fathers and mother's responsibility to educate the things of God. That is the only way we're going to break the cycle of the curse. When I hear of Christian parents who have children, and most of those children are divorced, it breaks my heart. Why? Why is the cycle continuing? with the first, the second, and the third generation, because we have not successfully communicated our faith to our children and their children's children. Hello? With every generation that followed, the blessing was multiplied. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the twelve sons of Jacob, and it became... A, an entire nation. It covered the whole nation from one man. Do not underestimate what God can do through you. This is God's pattern of multiplication and the way He extends the influence of His kingdom in discipling nations. Amen. Whenever there is a breach in the generations, the curse always follows. That is why I want to jump ahead of myself and read the scripture from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. That is why God said in Malachi 4, 
verse 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. A breach in the generations between fathers and sons. The hearts of the fathers and spiritual parents must turn to the children, both natural and spiritual, and the hearts of the children to the fathers in order that we might be delivered from the curse and be established in the blessings of God. Amen. Now, the history of the nation of Israel is a story of pain and a story of sadness as they traveled through the generations. You read the Old Testament and study it. Don't just read it. Study it. The Bible says all of these things were written for our learning and edification. The things that happened to them are lessons for us that it does not happen to us. That we avoid the traps of the enemy. As a result of the disobedience to God, the Bible says that God delivered them time and time again into the hands of the enemies who subjugated them and enslaved them. One of the saddest portions of Scripture in the Bible is found in Judges chapter 2, verse 10 through to 14. This for me is one of the saddest, saddest portions of Scripture. Let's look at it together. Let's read it. Can you put it up? There it is. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. What a sad picture. This is the nation of Israel. These are God's people. These are the people, they are the apple of God's eye. All that was gained, listen to me, through the generation of Joshua and the elders who led them into the promised land was lost by the next generation which came after them. Do you know that you can build through the generations? And then one, it takes one generation to lose all that was gained. Just one. See what it says here? There rose a generation after them who did not know the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't know what He did. They didn't know His exploits. They were completely oblivious and ignorant to the God of their fathers. Whose fault was that? Where can we put the blame on that? 
Where? Because the previous generation failed to communicate successfully their spiritual legacy to their children and to their grandchildren. Hardly you will ever see in churches today believers of third and fourth generation. Mostly first. And if <laughs> by fluke and by crook a second generation. What happens? Hmm? This is what happens in the life of the church today. Sad to see that, sad to say that, but it's the truth. When there's a breach in the generations, we open the door to the curse. It is sad to see, it breaks my heart to see the values. Values which hold together the succession of the generations and the passing on of spiritual legacy from one generation to another, and we see those values missing from our churches today. In our modern day and age, people have lost the value of family. They have lost the value of inheritance. They've lost the value of preserving the things which are most precious and they are most valuable in the eyes of God. And what are we pursuing today? Success, material, money, careers, and on and on. I recall many years ago, I thank God for my wife who had enough discernment to stop me when I wanted to do certain things. That's why I call her my breaks. We were in business. We owned one business, very successful. We were doing well. We lacked nothing. Whatever we needed, we bought, paid cash for it. And then I got this desire within me. You know, how about, and I said to my wife, how about we start another business? You know, the building was owned by my father-in-law. All I could do was give notice to one tenant and take the shop and start a second business and a third one and on and on. And my wife said, listen, you want to do that, you got to do it on your own. I have children at home. They need my attention. They need my time. They need my care. Twelve o'clock, I'm gone. I come here 9 o'clock, I do the books, I do the orders, I do the admin. From 12 o'clock onwards, i got to go pick up my children, and I want to spend that afternoon with my children. You want to get a second business? You're going to have to run it on your own. Well, needless to say, that put the brakes on me. As I look back over the years and I saw how my children were, were grown and and, and so much of her time and her life was literally poured into the children. That's why my kids never grew up with emotional hang-ups and scars, because they, they felt unloved or abandoned by the parents. She was always there with them. She would study with them and help them do their homework right through the early years, and I saw the rich dividends that this value has paid. 
but what we see today mostly. We've lost those values, folks. The value of family, the value of children, the value of spiritual inheritance, the value of instilling into your children foundations that will carry them through the storms of life, that will make them successful in whatever God has called them to do, and they will become a blessing to the community they are part of and to the families they themselves will build. Amen? But most believers today, what do we do? We live for ourselves and for today. Have no vision for the future generations. It is evident both in the natural as well as in the spiritual. Do you know that the most precious thing you can give to your children is your faith in God? Is that experience, that faith, that knowledge of the Word of God? Both your natural and spiritual children. We all should have spiritual children. We all should be witnessing and investing in other people. That's the thrust of my message today. What are you going to do with all of the teaching, all of the anointing, all of the values that you have received from me as I have walked the road, as I have believed God, as I have bought battles that you will never fight, and I have communicated all of that to you? What are you doing with it? Are you sitting on it? Or are you finding faithful vessels and pouring into them and communicate into them those values, those principles, that spirit, that anointing that you receive from this house? I don't want to make you sad today. I want to make you think. Children of believing parents grow up without the knowledge of the Lord. That's inexcusable. Without any natural or spiritual inheritance. Amen? You know, most people who are one to Christ, this is no lie, most people who are one to Christ today, and they become part of the church, they come from broken homes. Not all, but many. Am I right? They don't know what it means to live in a healthy family. They have not received any values of family and inheritance and principles and discipline and boundaries. Who's responsible to teach them? How are we going to break this cycle of fatherlessness, of poverty, of broken homes and divorce. How are we going to break it? Only if we take those wonderful people and begin to teach them and instill into them the values of family, healthy family that makes strong families, the values of inheritance, the values of faith, and the principles from the Word of God. That's the only way we're going to break that cycle. Much of the violence we are encountering today in our society is attributed to fatherlessness. People grow up 
in a home. They don't know what it means to belong to a family. They don't know what it means to have a father at home. They don't know what it means to be affirmed by a father or loved by a mother, abandoned. And it is the church's responsibility to bridge the gap, to heal the wounds. And we cannot heal them by sitting in church on Sunday morning, listening to message after message without engaging and without becoming part of the solution to the problems we find ourselves in. Hello? You know, I was not raised in a family which understood such values. My parents were not bad parents. They were good parents. They did the best with what they had, and they did the best with what they, with what they could, with the knowledge they had at that time. They were not bad parents. They were not born again. They were not Christians. They were not believers. The way we understand today committed Christians, believing Christians. And they were not even religious by any means, by any standard. You know, my mom and dad would go to church maybe on Easter, Sunday, if that. Not even Christmas, Easter. Because that was the biggest Christian holiday. You know, I'm the first generation of born-again believers in my long line of ancestors. I can look back as far back as I know, or it is what it, as it was told to me. I'm the first one that got born again from the long line of my ancestors. And when I was born again, I recall, I stood before God and made a vow. And I said, the curse will stop with me and my family. It will not continue unto my children and the children's children and the children's children. It will stop right here with me. And I broke that curse. You should do the same. Do you know that there are curses that would travel from generation to generation to generation to generation until somebody stands up with his faith in God and breaks that curse and says, no more, thus far and no more. There will be no divorce in my family. There will be no lack and poverty in my family. I break that curse. There will be no broken homes in my family. Because I'm a believer, and I believe in Jesus Christ. And fight the good fight of faith. Not with each other. Amen? Now, when I came into the family of God, the Lord began to teach me about the value of family. You know, my dad immigrated to South Africa when I was eight years of age. And from the age of eight until the age of 14, I had not seen my dad. He was not there. He was absent. He was in South Africa laboring and working because he chose or he decided to immigrate, like so many of my villagers at that time. In, in fact, in one month, I am told by reliable sources 
that 26 young men left our village for South Africa. That was in the 60s and the 70s, just before the 60s, just after independence. 26 young men from a small village, it emptied out. So my dad was not there. My mother did the best she could. I was not allowed to go out. I was not allowed to go and play. I would get a double hiding for my brother and me because he always ran away when he saw the stick coming, but I didn't run away. I I always stood and I bowed and she would just hit me for both of us. We were not allowed to go to the lake down the road and swim because she feared I was going to drown and we were going to drown, so I never learned to swim. Because of her fears, we were kept prisoners. So dad wasn't there. At the age of 14, dad brought me to South Africa first, and then after six months, my brother and my mother came, and then at 16, I left home, filled with rebellion, filled with emotional garbage, filled with loneliness. My brother could not survive that, and as a result, he became mentally sick. And all of his life, from the age of 18 until the age of 55 that he died, he suffered from schizophrenia. You know, when my dad immigrated, at that particular time, he thought he, it was the best decision he could make. That's all he knew. He didn't know anything more. But when I came into the family of God, I didn't want my family to suffer what I have suffered. I didn't want my children to go through years of loneliness and pain and emotional turmoil. And I stood before God and made a vow that I would not do the same things. And I thank God for the knowledge of His Word, for the knowledge of His Holy Spirit, and He began to teach me on the values of family, He began to teach me what it means to lay down my life for my wife, to lay down my life for my children, and to begin to teach them and educate them in the things of God. But mostly I taught them with my life. He is a witness. Helen is a witness. We never sat them down and said, hey, you should go to church today. Hey, you should do this. Never did that. They mirrored, we mirrored what, and they followed what they saw. Never sat them down, hey, you must pray. No. They learned by seeing the Father praying. Hello? And these values, I have endeavored, endeavored, and tried my best to instill them, not only to my natural children, but to those whom God added to my spiritual family throughout the years of my ministry. I have taught you the things I have lived and continue to live and practice. And I can promise you one thing. that if you have come to this house and have decided to align yourself to the spiritual family and throw roots in this house, 
certain things are going to happen to you. Number one, you're going to be properly and godly aligned. Number two, you're going to be restored in every sphere of your life, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally. And number three, you will be established in the faith. Twenty-five years ago, in the next two months, I received a divine commission from the Lord to immigrate from Zimbabwe to the city of Cape Town, and the Lord said, I want you to raise a spiritual family. When he said those words, I didn't understand what the Lord meant. It took me years to understand that there is a difference between starting a church and raising a spiritual family. Do you know that? You don't know that? <laughs> the things I've learned in my journey with the Lord and the things that were imparted to me, I have in, by the Spirit, I was instructed to communicate not only to my natural but also to my spiritual offspring. And over the last 25 years, listen to me, God has taken us through a number of transitions which included many changes. We're not the same today that we were 25 years ago. This family is not the same today as it was when we started 25 years ago. We went through a transition after transition, and whenever we went through a transition, we always left people behind. The reason being is because they couldn't keep up with the change, or they didn't agree with the leading that the Lord was leading me as head of the spiritual family. So naturally, people began to fall off and fall away. None of the pioneers that started with me and my wife are here today because they couldn't adapt to the changes and to the transitions we have gone through. And God takes you on a journey. And that journey involves change, involves growing up, involves maturity, involves many different things for many different people. Your journey is not the same as mine. But if you want to grow and move on to maturity, you will have to go through transition and change. Amen? You cannot remain the same. And if you refuse to change, you will not grow in the things of God. And over the 25 years, I have seen people come and I have seen people go. That's why I say, you know, the bus keeps moving. Some of them get on, some of them get off. But the bus will continue to head in the direction the Lord has given us to go. Many have come over the years, and many have left. But in the process of time, this is, this is the wonderful blessing. In the process of time, and in the years that we've journeyed, God has given my wife and I spiritual offspring. Wow, what a blessing. For me, personally speaking, this is the greatest blessing and the greatest reward I can receive from my labor in his vineyard. Spiritual children. I have good inheritance. Now, I want to say this. Our inheritance in the Lord is not made up of material things. Because some people, when they hear inheritance, all they see is money, land, buildings, 
No, no. No. Our inheritance in the Lord is not made up of material things. Our inheritance in the Lord is our sons and daughters in the Lord and in the future generations which will come after we leave this planet. Now, the future, I believe, and the legacy of this family is in the hands of our spiritual offspring. Hello? And those of you who consider yourselves part of this family is in your hands. Are you listening to me? Now, it is in the hands of the second generation of believers, and it is in what they do with what they have received from their spiritual parents. Does that make you responsible? Some of you are looking at me and says, what's the pastor saying here? We've never heard this before. We've never heard this in another church. What's he talking about? Well, I'll tell you why. For me and the way I understand and evaluate successful ministry could be very different by how others evaluate or gauge a successful ministry. Most people in the church world today and pastors, they gauge spiritual success in ministry by numbers and budget. How large is your church? What's the budget? Are you out there? That's why I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want anyone whom you have not sent to me. I heard of a pastor who once a year prays for people who feel that they are in the wrong place. And so he blesses them to go. Do you know Jesus was the same? Do you know that? He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who had sent me draw him to me. And then when the crowds left him, he turns to these 12 and he says, do you also want to go? You know, he was so secure in his father and so secure in his ministry. He, wa he wasn't influenced by numbers or lack of numbers. Do you know also what he said in, in John 17? In, in, his, in his last prayer before the cross, he said, Father, I do not pray for the world. I only pray for those whom you have given me. It's those that I'm responsible for. It's those that I'm praying for. It's those that I'm lifting up to you and those who would believe through the word of those whom you have given me. One generation to the other. Amen? Now, for me, success in ministry is measured by reproducing myself in others who are able to communicate the things they received from me to others. That, to me, is success in ministry. If you're not, if any minister or pastor is not raising sons and daughters if he's not producing leaders in the community and leaders in the church, 
I do not consider that as excess. He may have thousands of people in his church. But the question is, is he reproducing himself in others? Because if he doesn't, when he goes, everything falls flat. And dies with him. Are you listening to me? Successful ministry is not measured by how many people follow you, but how many people you influence through those you have mentored and equipped and raised and commissioned into the harvest fields of the world. That is success. Say amen if you agree. Sons of the kingdom, listen carefully, carry within them the seeds of reproduction and multiplication. I'm going to say that again. Sons of the kingdom, spiritual sons and daughters, carry within the DNA the seeds of multiplication and reproduction. They have the grace and the DNA of preserving and extending the spiritual legacy of their forefathers. Did you get that? Now, one of my spiritual sons who are not here today, I asked for his permission if I could share this. He wrote me, a letter via email. And within the context of that letter, he said the following, I believe the passion you have and you've had and still have for reaching our nation was deposited in my spirit all those years ago. You were a father to me in Christ, and I will be forever grateful for the big role you played in shaping my life and my destiny. Please know, I always remember our time working together with great affection. There may have been difficulties and misunderstandings along the way, but that is common in the heat of the battle. But the Lord has worked through them all in order to restore and realign our lives to where He always wanted us to go. Today, this young man, he's got a family of his own, he's married with two children, and he is a leader within the Greek Orthodox um, Church, and he's training young men in three cities of South Africa, Cape Town, Bloemfontein, and Port Elizabeth. That's wonderful, because he remembers what he received. He didn't sit on it. He didn't bury it in the ground. And though we may have had difficulties through the years, we were both learning what it means to be a father, what it means to be a son. He received that which he, I gave him, and he is depositing it now into other people. Isn't that wonderful? Paul the Apostle said the same thing to those he fathered in the gospel. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. But having hope 
that as your faith is increased, talking now to his spiritual children, as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Did you understand what he said there? He said, as your faith grows, my sphere of influence will be enlarged through your faith. Did you get that? He's saying that his sphere of influencing people through the gospel is greatly enlarged by the faith of those he has mentored and fathered. You see, I cannot go where you go. It's impossible for me to do that. I cannot be where God has planted you. But you are there. And I can be there through you. And teach those through you of what you have learned from this house. That is what we call successful transference from one generation to the next. Just as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And my question to you this morning is this. What will you do with the spiritual legacy you have received from this house? Especially those of you that have walked with me for a period of years. What will you do with it? Will you bury it because of fear? Or will you communicate it? Where will we go from here? What do the values of family mean to you? The values of inheritance, the generational succession. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to see these values communicated to the next generation? You are so silent and so quiet. Are you receiving something from what I'm sharing with you? Are you understanding where I'm coming from? If you are understanding where I'm coming from, please stand up. If you're not understanding, remain sitting. Remain sitting. What will you do with what you have learned, what you have heard, what you have been taught. Oh, you may say, Pastor, but I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good communicator. That's all excuses. You can take someone by the hand and teach him what you know. I was only born again a few weeks. I didn't know much, but what I did I did not keep to myself. What I did know, I went and shared it with somebody. And to my amazement, they believed and they became born again. And one particular one, a lady, my wife and I became spiritual children or children to them. We took care of them 
My wife did the husband's books because he was old in age. He couldn't do books. She went in there and helped him do his books, run his business in the admin department. And we kept a relationship throughout the many years until she went on to be with the Lord. And to the day she died, she always wrote and thanked me that I was bold enough and courageous enough to share the gospel with her. Can you point to one person today that through your faith you have managed to influence their lives? Think. Can you point to one person that you have influenced through your faith? If not, there's something severely wrong with your faith. Hello? Am I putting some pressure on you? This is my greatest passion. It is to seek out faithful people whom I can commit to them the things which I have received from the Lord and in turn they would be able to instruct others. Paul said to Timothy, and the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Michael, can you assist me, please, with, with your guitar? If you have anything you want to share from the Lord, you may do so. Or just assist me with, with your guitar, please. I want to pray for certain people today. I, I, I don't know who to pray for, but if you feel the need, you want to be prayed for. If you are struggling with the spirit of fear at your place of work, and you're struggling with the feelings maybe of inferiority and man, I'm not good enough to share this, I'm not good enough to do this, and you want to receive prayer, I will gladly pray for you this morning. And what I want to do is pray that God will break those things that hinder you from going forward in your faith and influencing others through your faith. That's what I want to pray for. So if you feel you need prayer, then you're welcome to come here to the front and we will join our faith together in prayer. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.